So, good morning, Catherine Winsley. It's a great, great pleasure to have you on the Heart Shaped Decisions podcast today. And um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit over the last few weeks through LinkedIn, which is where I tend to make most of my connections these days, because we're locked into our homes a lot of the time. So, Catherine, would you like to talk a little bit about yourself and what, and what you do? Yeah, hi, thanks Graham. Good morning to you as well. So I want to put an early intervention program into schools to identify those teenagers that are struggling with hidden emotional trauma. A lot of teenagers don't even realize that what they are carrying around is emotional trauma mm. and not being able to connect the link between their behavior and their feelings can be confusing and frustrating. So I want to identify that by sharing my story. I want to make them aware of they, the fact that they could be hiding emotional trauma. And then we can better put in place a mentoring program before the trauma develops into a pattern of disruptive behavior. Right. Brilliant. That sounds, yes. like, that sounds, like, some, that sounds like something that I wish had been around when I was, uh, I was at school. Well, exactly, yes. So the, really, I'm just building what was lacking when I was at school, what I needed when I was at school, and building that, so filling that gap. So I was one of those teen teenagers that slipped through the net, hiding emotional trauma. I didn't even know I was traumatised. I just thought it was normal to feel like that. Mm. And my coping methods were not helpful, um, and nobody, nobody really... Well, I mean, people could see it was going on, but nobody really did anything about it. They just let me slip through the net. Mm. So I want to I want to put in place by using a trauma-informed approach, which is becoming more people are becoming more aware of a trauma-informed approach nowadays. Mm. Okay. Would you be prepared to share a little bit of your story? Yeah, sure. So I I was a normal kid in a normal family, three kids and two parents, and all was pretty normal really um, we didn't have a lot of money but it, it was not a bad childhood by any means my mother's quite a negative person and quite an unhappy person and um when i was 13 we moved we moved house and i obviously went to secondary school and my father left because he just couldn't cope with my mother my mother's toxic behavior towards him i mean just she was just very very mean to him all the time Mm. And so when he left, she then turned all that bitterness and hatred onto me because I was the oldest. Right. So really, really to cope with that. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of friends in school. I wasn't, the, I didn't have very good social skills. I didn't really know how to build relationships. I made one friend that was <laughs> just quite a naughty kid or quite, a, I don't say naughty kid. She was quite... Um, she had quite a free range. She didn't have any structure at home or anything like that. And um, so, yeah, so we we would um, we would get ourselves into trouble. Um, and it was really just so I could avoid being at home. Right. So as time went on, I would avoid being in the house more and more. I found because when so the day I was born, I was obsessed with horses, literally from as long as I can remember, mm. all I wanted to do was be around horses and we couldn't afford horses. So, but my parents did 
find enough money for me to have a riding lesson once a mm. week. And other than that, I would just ride whatever I could, just borrow any pony I could. And so when I was 13 and, and father had left, I found about 20 minutes walk from my house, there was a horse sanctuary and I would go there and help out. So when I wasn't at school, I, I was at the horse sanctuary. Um, and then, but then the problem was on an evening, I'd have to be at home and I didn't want to be at home because I just, it, I couldn't cope with the shouting and the, just the negative energy. It was just mm. toxic. So I would just roam the streets in the dark and then it didn't take very long for me to be groomed and eventually I was trafficked and uh, for sexual exploitation and I was very lucky they brought me back the same night and I, I didn't tell us all I just sort of got on with it pushed it to the back of my mind or so I thought but then obviously it was really a combination of things a combination of that my mother's toxicity and just coping with all these emotions and, and confusions and see that's it you see I was emotionally traumatized but I didn't know mm. so I didn't know how to deal with it yeah so I found self-harm to cope with that and then I mean you could see that was happening I hid it very well but you could see that was happening and you know my mother would find blood on my clothes and she would flip out and scream at me and and um, in school I could hide it very well except for when they tried to get me undressed for PE they would make me you know get undressed in the girls changing rooms that's what all the other girls did and I would refuse a because I, I was so shameful of my body from what had happened and b because I was covered in shallow wounds where I'd released my pain mm. so I was quickly you know highlighted as disruptive and because I was quite a weak character, very weak character. I had no confidence and no self-esteem. I was an easy target for the bullies. So bullies very quickly moved in on me. And um, so to cope with that, I would just bunk off. I would bunk off and go to the horse sanctuary, who were always happy to see me because I yeah. would work really hard. And they never asked me any questions why mm. I wasn't at school. Um, so at 14, I was excluded for repetitive truancy. And then they sent me to another school at 15 in a different part of the county. And I was excluded from there for exactly the same reason. And nobody looked into why my behavior changed, what was going on, why was I self-harming? That story is quite in a nutshell because there's so many little bits. Like I, went, yeah, I, was, um, I, I was drinking and stealing, stealing alcohol from the shop. And um, I got put in hospital twice. For, yeah. for drinking too much um, and that they found the self-harm wounds on me in hospital and then they got me a, a counsellor and but still it just never went anywhere it just and I just slipped through the net they just let me slip through the net mm. and and I didn't know I didn't know I just thought it was normal to feel like I had no idea that I was traumatized not a clue so 16 mm. sorry let me turn my let me turn my sound off at 16 I left home, left my mother's house, and I moved straight into that horse sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And um, it, I became a bit of a recluse, to be honest, for quite for quite some time. But then from there, I, I, I moved on and got better and better jobs with horses and, and worked for some amazing people. And because I was so passionate about it and so hardworking, you know, I just I, I was very lucky. 
but I also worked very hard for it and I got some really great training and got better and better and better and 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 life was good I had my own training business in England in Yorkshire trained put together my own schooling stable and then I moved to Canada and built my own training stable there or training barn there and it was great until 2016 I just suddenly sort of had an epiphany I didn't really know why I was training horses anymore I you know they'd always been the thing that had held me together I always say that horses saved me and I still believe that now if I mm. hadn't been for horses my life would have been very different yeah but I couldn't understand I just I'd lost the passion for it and I was just going through the motions so I decided to wind down my business and take some time out which I did and in that time oh what I found so what I found when I when I was no longer training horses, I had no horses to hide behind. Mm. And I realized that I was had I was just that teenage girl. The pain hadn't gone away. I was just hiding mm. it mm. and hiding behind horses. And so with them gone, I was stripped bare and exposed. So the only thing to do was to really look at myself and heal and learn about myself and and um and just do some self-work, which was yeah. very hard to do is it sounds such an easy thing but it's very very hard to do but i did that and then i thought okay i don't want to be a horse trainer full-time anymore i still have horses in my life i always will they are my heart mm. so i decided the thing i would do well first i decided i was going to go into coaching help other people that sort of yeah. get to a point in their life and don't know what to do but then as the path went on it's just naturally led to putting together a program for teenagers and mentoring teenagers that are struggling with emotional trauma because that's really the area that I have the most experience in and that's really where my, my passion is to help them because you know if someone had have intervened yeah when I was going through that I mean yes I, I had a nice life anyway but it would have been a whole lot easier yeah. and remember I had horses to fall back on they yeah. were, they saved me and so many kids don't have anything to fall back mm. on they have nothing so yeah so i want to intervene early enough so that they don't have to carry this around with them fantastic that is such a <laughs> that is such an inspiring story you know sort of it's almost like a dark tunnel you sort of came out the other end and went yeah. back in again and came out again yeah it is <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a great story i mean i've you know i've heard lots of um great stories on but this, this is on a par with anything i've heard the way you because you're, you're a survivor aren't you as well um, definitely um you know and i think it's you know i mean I, I don't know if you've heard of a lady called madeline black but she i have yes i have a meeting with her on friday i'm really oh, looking forward to speaking yeah, with but, her um, yeah she i mean oh. she's been on the podcast and she just to totally inspired inspired me yeah. i've read her book as well and um i've actually met her um and yeah you know i think you're, you're, i mean that that's what there's, there's so many people out there with stories it's such a privilege to be able to help you share that but um mm. Whereabouts in Canada were you, just out of curiosity? Saskatchewan. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. Prairie. Prairie desert. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because my favourite country outside of Britain is is Canada. Oh, is it? Yes, I have some connections with Canada. My my substitute parents um, were from, from Canada who, oh. who came into came into my life um, completely unexpectedly when I was Oh, about 20 years ago and I, I was i was quite old you know and I, I wish they'd been my parents the people oh. that i wish that i'd had as parents um yeah unfortunately they're both they're both passed away now but they they had six children of their own and they're almost oh. like my 
yeah, we're really good friends now. And mm. I've been to Canada about six times. Yeah. Never been to Saskatchewan though. Um, not a lot of people go to Saskatchewan. No, no I've been <laughs> to Saskatchewan on the way <laughs> yeah. between Edmonton and Vancouver uh, and Cal. Okay. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Amazing country. I loved it there. Yes, it's beautiful. And Canadians are amazing as people. They're just the loveliest. Yes, people. absolutely. Generally speaking, they are. Mm. So what what was it that drew you to Canada? Husband. So I got married in um, 2009. Okay. And then he moved to Canada for work and I joined him. And um, it wasn't... We, we split up in 2016 right. and it wasn't because of that I had my epiphany. Everything just sort of came to a head at the same time yeah. and we, we decided to part, part ways. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, there's kind of some um, synergy there with my story because, you know, I had a very, a very difficult marriage when I was in my 30s and mm. um, because I'd never, I'd never got to grips with my life properly. I just ploughed on with work and yeah. everything else and you know everything's going to be okay and then I married somebody who actually was I mean I'm not saying you did this but I, I married somebody who was completely the wrong person for yeah me. so did I totally but you know the thing is do you make this see you know you say like you say you're not healed but you plow on you just plow yeah. on because yeah. that's what you do but then you make the wrong decisions like you allow the wrong people into your life and into your heart yeah uh, it wasn't, you know it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a heart-shaped decision that I made exactly. married um, yeah. I got married because somebody came into my life who actually needed my help, who was in oh. a worse state than I was. Right. I, thought, I thought I could magically make everything better for her. You thought you could help me? Yeah, well, that's why yeah. I thought I thought I could I thought I could help him. And um, yeah. and so you know I I did that, and after five years I realised that I was nearly destroying myself. But yeah. what did happen in that at the end of that relationship was I actually found some counselling, um, and I had two years of counselling myself, which helped me to sort my life out into some sort yeah. of order. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that whole, I don't regret anything, you know. No, me neither. Because, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in a place now where I'm relatively happy with who I am. I'm still mm. studying, still developing. You never stop doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just such an amazing story. So what, so what, is, your, what is your plan? How are you going to make this, how, how are you going to make this dream come true then? Well... I'm trying, I'm trying to get into school. See, I want to present it as I'll basically go into a school, tell my story, and then we'll have questions after. Yeah. And then I want to either, see, this is a bit I'm a little bit grey on, I either have the teenagers themselves give them the option to come and find me or connect with me, however we're going to do that. Yeah. Feel that they're actually, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm... I feel I'm traumatized. I'm carrying trauma. Um, all the teachers, the teachers to put me towards or put the teenagers to me, the specific ones that they think. Yeah. Because a lot of the times the teachers, and it's not the teacher's fault, they have a lot to do. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the times they don't realize that these teenagers are, are struggling. Um, you know, so if they just think, oh, oh gosh, yeah, that sounds like a young Billy or whoever, I'm, I'm going to connect him with Catherine. And then we can put together. Um, a specific mentoring program for that teenager early rather than when he's about to be expelled or has been expelled we'll do this early before that trauma develops into a behavior because that's the only way it can present itself mm. in disruptive behavior without even trying to do that it naturally just presents itself in disruptive behavior so in time what i want to do is also be able to take 
teenagers out of their environment just for a few hours into my environment and use horses to teach them life skills. So things like patience and um, get overcoming confidence and you know overcoming fear and responsibility and self pride. And also, so a lot of teenagers I find as well, as well, speaking from my own experience and from what I see now, a lot of these teenagers have no aspirations. They don't know what they want to do. No. They have no hope. So by developing their confidence and their self-esteem, we can give them hope and then we can develop their aspirations. And then once they've found some aspiration and, you know, found what they want to do with their life, I mean, they don't have to do that thing forever, but just do have a have a goal to work toward yeah and then i want to connect them to a specific apprenticeship program wow yes yeah, yeah, it, so, it sounds absolutely amazing i think if there's one you know if there's one thing i mean i love working with young people too i mean it's my my favorite audience is young people and um i think you know I, one of the problems we have in general society these days is young people are not taught to be confident mm-hmm you know, they're almost taught to conform, yeah. Um, but they're not taught to be confident, and it's almost like they're trying to churn out everybody to be the same. And we're not, yeah. We're not, we're not encouraging people to be themselves mm. um, and to talk about things. You know, I mean, even to this day, young people. You know, I was do, I was doing a, um, I was doing a session for the National Citizen Service a few years ago, and um, so it's, it, I was training 65 teenagers on public speaking for half a day and it's, you know, it's quite a, uh, I loved it and there was a there was a young girl she was about 16 or 17 and um, I couldn't get her to I couldn't get her to engage at all to begin with and I had a, I had a chat with her and I asked her you know, so what you know what are you interested in she wasn't interested in anything anyway to cut a long story short but at the end of the day we had a presentation of about six or seven people from that, about 10% of that audience came down and actually did a two minute talk in front of the whole audience. Mm. And at the end of that, I said, has anybody else got anything they'd like to come down and say? And this girl who had never ever engaged, hadn't even wanted to be there in the morning, came, she said, yes, she said, I've got something I want to say. She came down and told everybody this story about how she'd been bullied from the age of 11. And, She'd never told anybody before. Oh. And everywhere, I mean, the whole place was in tears, you know, it's just, mm. I would love to know what happened to her afterwards because I would, I would love to think that that, that gave her like a springboard to, yeah. you know, to, to help, help her to become more confident and sort her mm. life out. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and um, thank you. You know, I, I wish you, I wish you every success with it. And I'm sure this won't be the last time you speak. So, yeah because um, we're on a similar kind of journey um well yeah do you know i'm meeting so many people that are sort of under the same umbrella but we've all got we've all got our little niche yeah which is amazing we're all working towards the same thing and we all have the same vision in mind but we all have our own little areas it's amazing so yeah. the, the fact that we can all support each other i think it's just fantastic mm. so what do you like doing apart from horses and that kind of thing then Hiking. I love hiking. Yeah, me too. Especially up mountains. <laughs> oh, really? Love it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I love I walking. Yeah. I did a walking holiday in Crete once many oh, years wow. ago, which turned out to be more mountaineering than walking. But, oh, wow. Um, that sounds amazing. You no, know, I'm very lucky to live just down the road from a massive country park in the West Midlands. So right. I go walking around that nearly every day. Yeah. Know, keeps me sane. 
strange <laughs> times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Catherine, it's been it's been lovely speaking to you. Yeah. And um, I'll let you know when the podcast is going out, so you can share it with your contacts and everything. And um, okay. we'll definitely be in touch again very soon. Absolutely. Enjoy, yes. Enjoy your holiday in Yorkshire. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Speak soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.